Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey everybody, got John Quick here with Must Read Alaska. We are live on location. Senator Peter Machiki's office, the, the president of the Senate, we are very excited to be here. Uh, so thank you everybody for tuning in to the Must Read Alaska show. We appreciate everybody that watches, listens, and you know reads our, uh, our web, on our website as well. Um, and uh, without further ado, I want to welcome uh, Senate President Peter Machiki to the Must Read Alaska show. How you doing today, Senator Machiki? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for uh, having me on today, and thanks for being here in the Kenai office. I appreciate it. Beautiful day here in Kenai. Well, it is, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to do that we've kind of talked about over the last couple of months is kind of doing a wrap-up of the stuff that was accomplished this year um, and some of the things that you're excited that were accomplished this year. I know that there's a number of them, a handful of them, and so as you look back on the year, Senator Vinchicki, what are some of the things that you were excited about that you, you were able to accomplish uh, as the Senate president or just as the, you know, the, the body of Republicans in the Senate this year? Well, right. I mean, I think the, the Senate operated very well together. I mean, everyone's going to uh, um, have something they don't like about every session. I'm one of them. I'd be the first vote. There are things that didn't go perfectly, that didn't go exactly the way I wanted, but I'm very proud of the way the Senate performed. Um, we passed a $5,500 PFD, as you know. Fifteen senators did. Sent it on to the House, and of course they had a number at 2300 then the Senate passed a $3,900 PFD in the final budget worked, which was still the highest PFD ever. And what the House eventually agreed to was 3300 between 32 and 33 depending on how many applicants there are. And that's the highest PFD to date, but we felt in the Senate that this was a tough year for Alaskans, that this was the year for a full PFD. This was the year that uh, you've got that, you know, thief in the night called inflation that has taken so much out of our pockets over the last year. We're recovering from a pandemic. This was the year. We had the revenue for it and we, we tried hard but we simply couldn't get the House to agree. But as you know, 15 senators agreed with that and um, would have passed that number had we the ability to do so th through the House. But the bottom line is um, we passed some of our key legislation. One of our largest focuses over the last several years was the accountability of education in the state of Alaska. We um, passed 111. We actually stuffed it into 114 on the last night of session, which was a bill that was important to the House. And um, we um, passed it by unanimously in the Senate twice. Now, what does 111 do? It's a read-by-nine bill. Yep. We borrowed our uh, tactics from Florida and Mississippi that were right with Alaska down at the bottom, right around number 50, and uh, they put a read-by-nine program together, and now they've uh, zoomed up near the top of the educational outcomes for states in the U.S. 
We spent a lot of time with those experts, with experts around the state. We passed the bill. The House um, eviscerated the bill on their House Education Committee. <laughs> they're good at that, right? They, they're good at that. They, they tried to, well, I don't know what they tried to do. But the bottom line is we uh, resuscitated it on, and we kept looking at opportunities, for opportunities, and we realized that on that last night we had been working the House. The House Republicans supported it, and enough of the House majority um, supported it as well that we passed it with 21 votes. So it is law. Which uh, is very exciting. It's, it's one of those things where we have one of the lowest reading scores uh, for kids in the United States. And, you know, you can do the blame game. You blame the teachers, you blame the administration, you blame the parents, you blame the kids, you blame the weather. But eventually somebody's got to do something about it. And this bill actually does something about it. So It does. And it's got some money with it. It, um, But you don't get to take advantage of the money. Oh, coffee has arrived. It's, we are in the Senate President's office where the <laughs> coffee machine is broken because... My guys always give me a hard time about never wanting to spend any money, but that's okay. Um, anyway, we spend $1.3 billion on education, and we're number 50. In some categories, we're number 51. So it's pretty important that we return some accountability to um, education, not just in rural Alaska, not just in urban Alaska, but across the board. So this bill's about early intervention. A lot of these kids are dealing with a lot of issues at home. And you know, I, Lucy, or I shouldn't say her name, she, she struggled a little bit with uh, reading early on. And our kids are, you know, usually pretty high performers educationally. And the Kenai Peninsula Borough already has a program like this in place. Early intervention, they turned her around, and she's an A-plus student in eighth grade right now. Very proud of her. But um, these tactics will be used across the state to finally get our kids turned around, get them prepared to be successful, and get them prepared to support themselves off of the system in the future by uh, reading to learn and learning to read. So one of the things that I think has been a, a bill that you've worked on in for a number of years is what I think people on the street dubbed the alcohol bill. So. Can you talk to me a little bit about the um, pluses and the pros of this bill and why it was so important for you to see this through? Sure. There's, there's a, it's multifaceted, of course. One of the things we focused on is the number one, and that ties into education, the number one social problem we have in the state of Alaska is alcohol. So we focus on things like opioids because they're, they're shiny, and of course there's, we've had a lot of fatalities from overdoses, and shattered lives, but by far 95% of the substance abuse problem in the state is alcohol. So we have the public safety part, and then we have the part that it's a thriving industry in the state of Alaska. It's also very important for visitors and for uh, bars and restaurants and things like that, resorts. But we had this hodgepodge, 35 years of a thrown together um, statute, Title IV are the alcohol statutes. And 10 years ago, we brought together the stakeholders across the board from public health and safety, the troopers, the uh, Recover Alaska folks. We brought together Char and, um, and the Brewers Guild and said, what are we missing here? Why is this such a mess? 
So we've worked on this for 10 years. And, and uh, what it's going to do is it's eliminated a lot of just very bureaucratic control issues that you had to fit this, you know, square business model into a round peg of this very um, structured, ineffective system of licensing. And we've created a system now where whatever your business looks like, you can secure a license as well as the endorsements that will allow you to operate exactly the way that you operate. Um, it includes some funding, self-funded, through the program, not, not um, external state dollars. That will also increase uh, the ability to educate people about, uh, young people about the issues with alcohol. Um, there's some money for public safety. What we knew is that there hadn't been any enforcement for over-serving and um, serving the underaged. Um, so we expect a better public safety outcome, public health. We have pieces in it to put an end to bootlegging in rural Alaska. Yet, we streamlined the government process for licensing for well-operated business in the state of Alaska that are so important to um, the economy. So I'm very excited. The governor is going to sign that tomorrow afternoon in Anchorage. Uh, folks are welcome to the party. It's at um, O'Malley's, uh, the golf course on, in O'Malley, on O'Malley. And the governor will be there, all the stakeholders will be there, and I just, uh, we have a lot of people to thank. Hundreds of people from municipalities who can now apply for additional licenses um, to the recovery people, public safety people, public health, and of course the industry folks. So you're invited, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Governor will be there to sign the bill. Very excited. Apparently there's a, a beer that has a new label that uh, I'll have to get you on, John. <laughs> and uh, um, the label is has my name on it. It shouldn't. It should have nice, the name on it. Awesome. But it, it's kind of fun. It'll be fun to have on the on the uh, bookcase someday when I'm in the home. So you've been uh, in the Senate for a number of years, Senator Vichicki. Is there anything that sticks out? You know, let's say there's somebody out there that's listening that's interested in running. Maybe they're 25 years old and they are thinking, man, I want to get involved in politics. Or maybe they're a soccer mom or a stay-at-home dad or whatever it may be. And they're thinking, man, how do I even get involved? You know, I'm, they're sitting here watching the Senate president. And you and I both know this doesn't just happen overnight. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of meetings. It's knocking on doors. It's a million phone calls. But how does somebody initially get involved? What kind of encouragement would you give to somebody who's looking to get involved in politics? So I got involved because of, um, so I've always been involved in the community. Of course, I had a you know 35-year private sector um, career with ConocoPhillips. I've had owned restaurants and some smaller businesses, and we have rentals, and we've, we've always been very involved. While we had the half of our lives that were, was about revenue for the Machikis, we always had the half that was about serving the community. And when a city council position came up, some friends really kind of pushed me for it because they didn't like the way Soldatna was going. They thought there were some cuts that could occur and we could have had um, our savings that, uh, kind of a Soldatna fiscal plan. So I ran for city council and then Dave Carey ran for borough mayor the next year. And uh, the same group of friends came forward and I became mayor of Soldatna, and, and it's, it's, so, 
Alaskans have an incredible amount of power as constituents. What we did in Soldotna in transforming that community was not because of me. I just merely served as an agent for the people. Um, the 4,500 people that came together and just blew Soldotna up. I mean, you've seen what happens there. Um, we built the park, we built the cemetery, we um, got Instead of searching for outside logos to bring to our community, we empowered local families. I mean, think about Addie Camp. We empowered local families to just, just do these incredible things so the money stayed in our community. And about the time my second term started as mayor, I started worrying about the perfect storm of the lack of a fiscal plan in Alaska as a state and um, decided to run for the Senate. And I would suggest that anyone that wants to get involved, start locally, kind of get your legs under you on how to work together with people, how to get things done by bringing people together. And um, I think we've done some great things. I think we've had a great team. I, I hear the same things and, and agree. So what I was able to do in Soldotna and cutting property taxes three times before I left until they were lower than the surrounding unincorporated borough. Um, I wanted to do that for the state. We, we don't have a statewide tax, but I wanted uh, the Alaska state government to be equally efficient. Um, it's different. So what I always say is if I was the only legislator in Juneau, I would have fixed it a long time ago. It's those 59 pesky others that <laughs> kind of get in the way of getting it done. So it's a very different system. But I think what I love the most about this job is helping people that feel like they don't have a voice. The disabled community, veterans, um, a widow that didn't get her PFD because of some bizarre mistake that occurred. Um, everyone has a voice and, and I, I love serving as that voice but what I love the most is, is helping uh, guide people to recognize that their individual voices are extremely powerful. They don't need someone sitting in office always to advocate for them. So we've put together uh, programs where people know who to contact, how to contact them. I mean, sure, they're going to run into a bureaucrat periodically that is not going to bend from this black and white thing, and sometimes they have to reach out to our office and we can help them. But I really do encourage people to get involved. I have no regrets. We've gotten some incredible things done. Long list of bills, but again, I think where I'm feeling like I accomplished the most is helping that person or that group or that um, organization that felt like they weren't being heard in Juno to know that they had a champion, that they had a voice, and how to teach them to work through the system so they too can be successful. Yeah, one of the things I like about Alaska is that um, our elected officials are accessible, even though you're in Juneau or whatever. You're right now you're in Kenai. You can literally somebody can come into the office, knock on the door, and the Senate president <laughs> sitting here waving at them, <laughs> ready to have coffee with them. And, and um, it's that's not uh, that doesn't happen in every state. Um, they even to get you know your chief of staff to. You know, he picks up the phone and he calls people back, and 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 that happens all across the board with elected officials across the board in Alaska. And I think that's a really cool aspect of Alaska. You know, you can walk into the borough building and go hang out with Charlie Pierce, 
and that happens on a normal basis. And so I've always appreciated that about not only you, your kind of mantra with how you've approached your constituents is your, you know, open door kind of policy and you call. I've been, I've been in your car where literally you're picking up the phone every five minutes to talk to people in your district and it's not like the president of, you know, some company and the, the whatever of this company. It's just normal folks that you talk to and I've always appreciated that about you. So. Um, well, if there's someone on the Kenai that doesn't have my cell phone number, um, I would be surprised. <laughs> and my wife, she'll just, you know, will be at something, and uh, or a family thing, and the phone will ring, and I'll either text them, we'll get right back to you with my family, um, or I'll pick up the phone. I, I think it's really important for people to know that they have a champion that's willing to pick up the phone and talk to them. It's, it's kind of what it's about in Alaska. And it's all the time. It's at Fred Myers. It's at the park. Um, and it will be. After I'm out of office, I will continue to help people to um, get out of their government what they need, the things that should government should be doing. Part of what I've tried to do the last three terms is to eliminate the excessiveness of government, of the things that government shouldn't be providing. And that's a struggle. There's a, a constituency for every service. And uh, when you start, you know, I, I, think, um, I think I still hold the record for the largest cut in the history of the legislature when I made a $170 million cut that stuck with the Department of Health and Social Services. But even then, you had to communicate with the folks that were getting some services reduced that I didn't feel were government's role. I didn't feel like it was their, our responsibility as a government. And we found them other... Um, groups, organizations that can help them with those things that the government had been providing. I think there's a lot more of that that can occur and the work will continue. Um, my decision to take a break right now is just about family. I spent 11 out of the last 16 months away from my little girls and they need their daddy and that's my most important job, um, being a good husband and dad. Um, but um, yeah, that doesn't mean the work stops. Um, the work will never stop. That's what government does. So um, I'm looking forward to who is elected and for these 60 legislative seats in the next um, legislature, and I'll certainly be there to help mentor anyone that that um, requests uh, ways to get things done. And I think this the last two years, the Senate proved that folks can come together from a very diverse background and they can make things happen. Even pushing them through the other body. Um, a sometimes very hesitant body. So um, I'm proud of our group this year, proud of our group last year. I think the Senate majority worked well with the Senate minority. We were kind of a 20-member team, which is very unusual considering we didn't have to pass things that we don't believe in as Republicans to get the Democrats to work with us on the Read by Nine bill. I mean, Tom Begich sat alongside Roger Holland, Shelley Hughes and I, and uh, we got that bill through. Very conservative, effective tactics that could, should turn the world around in Alaska as far as education goes. Yeah, I'm sure he got a lot of flack from the uh, unions about that <laughs> sitting beside you guys. But that's that's a it's a good point to show that um, you were able to get things done across the aisle no matter what. And that was not so in the House. The House was a bit of a mess the last two three years. And um, 
not organized, wouldn't organize, you know, until months in, and uh, you guys were getting to work day one. That's right, and that was hard work. That was uh, a lot of hard work of people having to, uh, don't we, you know, conservatives don't like the word compromise sometimes, but the bottom line is this, politics is a team sport, and we pulled a team together that didn't agree on every issue, but we were able to get the job done, and, and I'm proud of this group from the most conservative to um, the Democrats, who worked very well with us, frankly. We had a 14-member Republican majority, and on bills like 111, the Read by Nine bill, it took Democrat participation, which got the last few votes on the House side, because we didn't have uh, 21 active Republicans in the House, if you will. So um, Tom Begich did a very good job. He didn't didn't ask things like some of their bills. He didn't didn't lean on us for passing, you know, tightening up, defunding police stuff. He just said, okay, let's find places where we have some things in common, and let's get it done. And I don't think we could have done it without him. So. Um, the word conservatism, I mean, John, you know me, I'm one of the most conservative people you're ever going to know when you use the Republican platform, when you actually use the metrics that measures a conservative. In Alaska, conservatism has taken a, an interesting definition that brings in the, some outside considerations that really don't measure conservatism at all. So when you think about our ability to pull conservatives together as well as some of the moderates, and um, harness the energy that was very fruitful for Alaskans from the Democrats. The Senate came together well, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah. So um, who's one of the folks that you look up to over the years as a hero to you? You know, who's somebody that, um, um, as you maybe started your work career, your, your political career, that you kind of looked up to as a hero, dead or alive, and why? Well, you've been to my office in Juneau, and you know my wife bought me a uh, Reagan Bush original campaign sign that is uh, <laughs> above my bookcase in my Juneau office. And, and I, I, the reason why Reagan um, was so important to me is that he, he never gave up on his conservative values, yet, like we were able to do the last couple of years, could work across the aisle to get the necessary votes for conservative value bills to get across the front finish line. I mean, he took more Democrat votes than the Democrat in the last election. It was the last major landslide. Did he give up on his philosophies or objectives or what was in his heart? Never. And he was still able to be successful that way. And, and I think people really need to review that model. It, it is what works. It is a team sport. You need 11 and 21 votes and the governor has to sign something in order for it to become law. That means people do have to work together. We were able to do that and, and I think it's because of that model in, in my life and I have many others um, that are longtime Alaska politicians that have been my mentors. I mean we, we lost Clem Tillian this year. I Learn to growl and cuss from from Clem <laughs> and uh, use it selectively. But when I do use it, people listen. Um, and uh, 
it's always about what's best for Alaska and Alaskans, and um, I, I think we were able to get a lot of that done. And I can I can talk about the other side. Am I am I happy with the way the budget turned out? I'm not. Do I think it should be lower and more efficient? I do. Do I think we need to stabilize a fiscal plan? We put it on the floor twice. We got close, but we we just couldn't get there. And that's work that still needs to happen. We live in a state that does not need to be taxed in perpetuity. We live in a state that by being smart and managing this budget and the services that are required with, by the Constitution um, can be tax-free in perpetuity, and we need to continue on that path. I'm taking a break. I'm going to spend some family time. I don't know what happens next. <laughs> RV trips, maybe. May, well, maybe. Um, but the most important thing is that as Alaskans that are influential, which is nearly all 735,000 of us, um, we need to continue leaning on the legislature, supporting them and encouraging them to secure a fiscal plan to make sure we stay off of the roller coaster ride of spending too much when the revenue's high and starving when the revenue's low. We can do this, and I will continue to push for that outcome. Any last uh, thoughts or, or uh, remarks before we head off here? Um, anything you didn't uh, get a chance to say uh, or leaving the listeners with any last words here? No, I want to thank the listeners and the people of Alaska for their support all these years. I've been in politics for 17 years now and a uh, private sector guy it was kind of foreign to me. I've tried to put those philosophies in play in government, and I, I always think that there's room for that. But I appreciate the people remaining engaged. I think it's ultimately um, the most important influence on the legislature, and I ask that they continue to do so. I ask that you don't always get your news from Facebook. <laughs> we have Alaska bases. You can look at the facts. You can watch the hearings. You can see what your legislators are doing. I've seen some fairly inaccurate things, but um, of course for the must-read listeners, we're conservatives that want what's best for Alaska, and I ask you to remain engaged responsibly, support those that are doing the right thing, help guide those that sometimes uh, are led astray, because you're, you're typically stuck with folks for two or four years, and often um, those that are the incumbent stay in office for quite a while, so um, Alienating them is not effective. Let's try to drag them on the right path and get the right thing done. Right things done for Alaska, and you have more power than you know by engaging responsibly and respectfully with your elected officials. So keep it up. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Senate President Peter Mancicki. I'm John Quick here with Must Read Alaska, and you have just uh, been with us here for the last half an hour. I've been in conversation with Senate President Peter Machicki, and we thank you for listening to the Must Read Alaska Show, for tuning in to the Must Read Alaska Show. This can't happen without folks like you. If you like what you hear with Must Read Alaska, or like what you read with Must Read Alaska, please go to the uh, website there and check us out. Um, there's a donate button if you like us. We aren't funded by uh, big foundations like the mainstream media here is in Alaska. We don't have uh, tons of staff and huge budgets. It's Suzanne and I running around Alaska trying to do the best we can. So thanks so much for tuning in. Till, somewhere, <laughs> till next time from somewhere Alaska, I'm John Quick.